Good morning, Buckners. It is Thursday, May 23rd, 2019. I am Dan Rubin. This is the Bucknuts Morning 5 and Change. We here at the Bucknuts Morning 5 like to present challenges to ourselves. Today is going to be one. We are talking to 24-7 Sports Director of Recruiting Steve Wiltfong. We were supposed to do the show at 8 a.m., but the jet setter that he is, his flight had to leave early. We are now talking to him as he meanders from one gate to another in the Charlotte airport, attempting to get to a college announcement for a player who is not going to Ohio State, so we'll worry about that later. Steve, how are you? Going well. So far, so good, Daniel. I uh, didn't know if I was going to get out of Indianapolis as you and I are both getting blasted with thunderstorms this morning, but snuck out of there, and I'm in Charlotte trying to make my way to Richmond for Chris Tyree. College announcement, the number one all-purpose back in the country for 24-7 sports. Ohio State in on a lot of the blue-chip running backs in America. Chris Tyree was never one that they really pursued. Yeah, it does look like Chris Tyree is going to pick Notre Dame over suitors like Alabama, so I can't decide how I feel about that. Let's talk about another player who is number one in his position and will be the primary topic of this podcast, has been the primary topic of prior podcasts, and will be again going forward, and that is Paris Johnson, the number one offensive tackle in the United States of America. The former St. Xavier standout has transferred to Princeton High, a few beats close to the Columbus because they honor the early graduation approach. You had a chance to see Paris in person recently. Talk about that experience, how he measured up, what you thought of Paris versus the other great players you saw there, etc. Well, I still love him as a prospect. He's 24-7 sports number one offensive tackle, and in my opinion, he lived up to that billing. He's six foot seven. He's 285, 290 pounds with a frame to add 20 to 30 pounds easily. Shuttled in that four, five, four, six range. So has outstanding uh, uh, feet and, and quickness at the point of attack. I think he's a tough physical kid. I think he showed that. I think he took on the most electric pass rusher there and, and, and stuffed him. I think that any time he lost the rep. It had more to do with lack. Uh, had more to do with this technique than his ability. And, and so, uh, offensive line coaches are getting coached, uh, are getting paid a lot of money on the next level to to uh, work with that. But the skill set and the traits and the mentality uh, really loved what I saw from Paris Johnson Jr. at the uh, opening regional in Nashville. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. I should have mentioned that this was at the opening regional in Nashville. But obviously, Johnson is not a guy who has to do any of this stuff, but if he wants to get open, this is what he's doing. Talk about some of the other guys there. How would you compare him to them? Sometimes you don't get a great sense of a guy until you see him next to some other great players. Well, again, he was the best prospect there. Did he have the best performance? No. Um, he, did, he did not have but but he had a performance that – um, didn't do anything, in my opinion, to um, make me think that he wasn't the top offensive tackle prospect in the country. There were some other guys there that were maybe more, a little more polished or maybe had better matchups. Um, but I, I, think, I think that he's a guy that when it all comes together, he's going to be a high first-round draft pick. Now, when we get into projecting guys and comparing guys, obviously it's really, we've entered the land of opinion, but I do think it offers a nice perspective on an evaluator's kind of vibe on a guy. 
Ohio State has been very fortunate in recent years to attract such high-level players as Nicholas Petit Frere. Thayer Mumford got on the field very early here. They've had some other standouts and Wyatt Davis and the inside. Josh Myers was a big-time recruit. Where would you compare Paris in terms of guys Ohio State has gotten? Where would you compare him to maybe another guy like Jackson Carmen? Is he in that mix, that level of player? Well, the analytics would tell us now that Jackson Carmen was ranked too high just because he's over 300 pounds. And those guys that are that are over 300 pounds and aren't 6'7 or above aren't getting drafted as high now. We'll see what happens with Evan Neal here, who looks like a bajillion dollars who went to Alabama in this last year's class. Obviously, Josh Myers was a very highly ranked guy that that they kept in state against some of the similar suitors uh, at first. Uh, although now you got PJ looking at these SEC programs going down to Georgia, going down to LSU next weekend. This one hasn't been as easy as say the Josh Myers win. As far as the prospect goes, I mean those other guys aren't panning out in the first round picks right now. We'll see what happens with them, but that's the ceiling. Talking to him at the event, I feel even better about Ohio State keeping him, but we'll see what happens. I did notice J.J. McCarthy had a tweet yesterday about wanting to kill Ohio State, but Paris responded with revenge tour, too. So. The Jack Sawyer exchange with the Michigan O-line commit was even better. Did you see that? Well, that's going to be better because we're going to get to see that one in person, and I shed tears already for the Michigan kid because he's going to get used. P.J. is part of a group for Ohio State. The 2020 recruiting class already has four offensive linemen. As we discussed, we expect Parrish to be part of it. Also, center Luke Whipler and a couple other guys in Jacob James and Trey LaRue. There was some thought that they were in on Michael Carmody. Now we feel he's going to Notre Dame. Who were some names getting back in the mix, or who were some other offensive linemen you could see them focusing on? Well, I'm not throwing in the towel on Michael Carmody yet. I think that Ohio State was an offer he really wanted, and he visited twice in the spring. I mean, certainly Notre Dame's a school that we talked about last last show that they do well with offensive line targets. But um, Ohio State, you know, they're in that one. Penn State uh, is in that one, among others. I thought that Ohio State was in a great spot for this young man, Roger Rosengarten, out of Denver. He's supposed to take an official visit in June. I'm now hearing it's more likely he plays at Oregon or Washington. Keep an eye on Reese Atterbury. He's a guy that's been extremely high on Ohio State much of the process, and he's a guy that's got a relationship with the Buckeye staff. So he's he's a name that I could see Ohio State going all in on. Josh Fryer out of Indiana, Indianapolis, my neck of the woods, Beach Grove, the three-sport standout that's also the largest punter in America, averaging about 46 yards per boot, taking an official to Ohio State in June. That'll be his fourth time on Ohio State's campus. He's a guy that hasn't been talked about a lot on the front row. He's uh, looking at Penn State, Oregon, Oklahoma. So he's he's got a strong offer list, and Ohio State's in the middle of that one. So uh, we'll see uh, Ohio State, no shortage of uh, top targets still available to them. Uh, highly thought of guys that are, are giving the Buckeyes a good look. We're going to try and keep this to a truncated show here, given Steve's travel. But was there anybody else at the opening that Ohio State fans need to know about? Anyone else catch your eye? Anyone else they can expect to see on the other side of the field going forward? It was, that was more of a uh, SEC caliber camp. So it would be guys that they would see in the in the playoff, which is the uh, confidence level of the, the program still with the way that the roster's think how talented the roster is that that's the, that's the conversation ohio state will be in every year all right we'll hit a little bit of current events here you're going to see chris tyree 
who was expected to go to Notre Dame. By my cursory view, that would be the best skill player Notre Dame has hooked in a while. Did Tony Alford help out his former employer here? I think that the only relevance Tony Alford has to this conversation is that he was one of the dynamic recruiters for Notre Dame, and they haven't landed ballyhooed skill players like this and him and like Mike Denbrock, who's on Coach Fickle's staff at Cincinnati as his offensive coordinator. Those were two of Notre Dame's best recruiters for offensive skill players. So, I mean, obviously Tony Alford's doing great things at Ohio State. He was doing it at Notre Dame, too, uh, which was one of the reasons why Urban Meyer wanted to hire him in addition to being a good running backs coach. The man committed Lewis Nix a top 100 defensive lineman to Notre Dame. And Notre Dame didn't even have a head coach. That's still one of the most impressive recruiting wins I've ever seen uh, for the caliber of offers Lewis Nix had. Notre Dame was in limbo between Charlie Weiss and Brian Kelly, and Tony Alford lands a commitment from Lewis Nix. I appreciate you doing that. That's exactly what I wanted. It was just a backhanded way to get some Tony Alford love on here. We appreciate Steve stopping by. We appreciate him making time in a very hectic morning. Have a good one, Buck Nutters. Take care, guys. See you on the front row.